This is Alan Appel, and you're listening to This Day in New Haven History on WNHH 103.5 FM and streaming live at newhavenindependent.org, community radio in the Elm City. Thank you for uh, joining me on the Time Machine, and a lot is happening in the Elm City. Uh, this year is 1957, uh, um, and uh, Jason Bischoff-Wurzel. Jason, hi there. Hi, Owen. Jason, you're in the co-pilot seat, and um, you're you're traveling us back to 1957, where we are in the heart of uh, redevelopment in New Haven. So, so tell us uh, how much land is available, and uh, uh, who's pitching new companies to come here? Yes. So, pulled from the manuscript collection of the Whitney Library at the New Haven Museum, uh, we're going back into the bulletin from the New Haven Chamber of Commerce. And in 1957, uh, they were very excited to point out that New Haven still had room for expansion. And uh, they, the big point being that the greater New Haven area still has plenty of geographical space for industrial expansion. And we still do. Then <laughs> we do. There we do. Uh, they like to point out, as we had mentioned earlier this week, uh, with the idea of the harbor uh, being redeveloped and, and changed and added, uh, it was noted here that 330 acres of reclaimed land along the harbor was provided so far in the 1950s. That's thanks to I-95. So when, when you drive by on the surface there, that stuff that you're driving on was kicked up from beneath the sea. Yes. And uh, they say, and although some was taken for highway construction, there still remains some 200 acres for industrial development. Underlined are also New Haven's population growth over the years its diversified transportation facilities, and its relatively peaceful and cooperative labor management record. Relatively. Yes, and they, they are being uh, putting a, a, the sunny side up on this because they like to point out its population growth over the years, which it had been, but that was about to turn around either unexpectedly or if it was expected at that point they certainly were not addressing that right. because we, the we, city would in fact of growing, which they were saying optimistically, come here, come make, you know, come do business in New Haven. Uh, as time would go on, it would be a harder and harder prospect because we would actually begin to contract in the years right. ahead. I believe we, we, we achieved the highest population. It was about 160,000 around the end of World War II. Yeah, actually, I may have gone up to about 180, thereabouts. Mm. Okay. So between 160 and 180, but yes, by about World War II, really just about this time period here, but around this time period was also people were beginning and beginning to use those brand new shiny highways to, to hop in their shiny new cars and get out of town. Now, it's fair to say so far in all these Chamber of Commerce publications you've brought in, and including those in front of us today and in the next couple of days, there's uh, uh, precious little about uh, of the kind of stuff that we see these days, precious little about uh, walking or riding your bike. Oh, absolutely. In, in, in 1957, it was all about uh, cars, and um, and I guess if we turn the page, it's all also um, about uh, airplanes and, and uh, new opportunities for car rental. Yes. So they mentioned that there were talks on proposed air service. Last week, the mayor, that would be Mayor Lee, 
the city's airport commission and representatives of the Chamber of Commerce met with an Allegheny Airlines executive to discuss increased air service for the city. Allegheny Airlines is one of the two companies asking permission from the Civil Aeronautics Board to provide air service to New Haven with two flights daily on routes between Boston and Washington and Boston and Pittsburgh. Mm. The other company, which is asking cab sanction for New Haven stops, is Mohawk Airlines. Mohawk Airlines. Well, I haven't mm-hmm. heard of them. Okay. On October 24th, Chamber and the city will attend the hearing before the Civil Aeronautics Board in Boston to support the plea for improved air service and facilities in the New Haven airport. Mayor Lee will act as intervener in the case. So this whole issue of to expand the airport, not to expand the airports, is still with us uh, unresolved, actually, since 1957. And fits and starts, yeah. Uh, well, what, and, and one thing about Tweed Airport, um, yes, it's, it's got its uh, definitely its detractors. It has its conflict. Um, well, the essential times. problem, Jason, is it not, is that New Haven owns it, and the New Haven business community certainly would like expansion, but uh, it's very close to East Haven. Right. And uh, the homeowners there... Um, have been very organized and vocal in opposing it. Right. Expansion of it. And if you look at the history of Tweed, though, however, uh, objectively, if you will, the Tweed was always at the forefront of commercial aviation. Oh, really? Yes. It, it's, it, these these are the early uh, shuttle lines, and, and that's what the, these meetings were about, or it was the beginning uh, of, of commercial uh, aviation as we know it today. And so um, they, they were pitching to connect New Haven. So if you want to look at the sort of, um, as, I, as I mentioned the other, the optimistic side of this, um, this was uh, this was at the forefront of, of modern, uh, just not only modern technology, but uh, modern infrastructure. And uh, very, very forward thinking at the time to, to, to link us through uh, air, uh, air travel Right, and, and the growing and the quickly growing uh, commercial. Uh, right, the, but the nub of the problem was that as the airplanes evolved and got bigger and stronger and right. uh, needed more, the 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 runway did not get any longer and, and right. Uh, right constrained by the political situation. Yeah, and 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 essentially, yes, you're exactly right. Uh, at this point, you still had uh, these would most of the time be propeller lines, uh, and then as we as Basically, larger jets came in to play, f- and uh, yes, Tweed's not really designed to handle it because it really is one of the early operational municipal airports in the country, too, for that matter. Professor Wikipedia has told me that the airport was inaugurated on November 11th, 1929. That was a bad time to start an airport, uh, right when the stock market fell, uh, uh, like, like an hour before. <laughs> Maybe that was a bad omen, but it was dedicated uh, and open for traffic. Um, wow, in the midst of the depression in August yes. 31. So they moved ahead with that and they renamed it Tweed in 1961 because of its beloved first airport manager, John Tweed. Yes, yes, who had, who had passed away and he had served as a manager. And also he was a... a um, he was one of the crack pilots of uh, ace pilots of Connecticut history. Yeah, and, you know, and and that's the thing to keep in mind. It's like that's this is another thing where we take it for granted. People getting we get in a plane. It's like okay, we got to go to 
uh, Texas. Let's hop on a plane, go to Texas. Again, these are things that don't just come out of n- nowhere. You right. know, once you start doing it, then there's there's the few people that are, you know, that'll hop in a cockpit and learn how to fly anything and uh, be, right. be those kind of those those um, those pioneers. And Tweed, in this case, was uh, absolute pioneer and helped run this airport, which was again at the beginning of this pioneering days of making this um not just a military or or a business sort of oriented thing making it more commonplace basically hey yeah and there are all kinds of wonderful stories that one hears uh if you interview old-time new haveners that are utterly unexpected i remember being at the stetson library over on dixwell not too many years ago and i was interviewing a woman whose father so this woman was in her 60s. So her father was a, one of the Tuskegee Airmen, an African-American uh, pilot. And uh, he, 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 kept an, uh, he kept an airplane at Tweed, or he, flew, or he rented airplanes, a uh, small aircraft out of Tweed. And whenever it was her birthday as a little girl, she told me that her dad would get in the plane and fly over their house uh, near West Rock and <laughs> wiggle his wings on her birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then fly back to Tweed. Uh, isn't that a great story? Yeah, yeah. And, and the thing about it too was, you know, again thinking about when we mentioned the other day, unregulated kind of uh, anything being kind of on the on the forefront here, the vanguard, if you will, um, flight and uh, the the that type of thing was they were they were at the vanguard here. They were coming up with the rules of flight, and it was affordable. Um, you know, essentially it was kind of like if you could afford to buy a plane and put some gas in it, you could fly it. Right. And uh, uh, different airlines, this Mohawk Airlines and Allegheny Airlines that, you know, they were they were there and then they left. And it's it's always been a question of um, um, who could make um, a profit flying yeah. out of a small airport yeah how many people would it actually is a wonderful uh, wonderful small airport i but um it looks like you know for, for a beer at ordinary that would be your award can you tell me the name of the first airline that flew out of tweed jason the first airline the first tweed. airline to serve tweed was lycon airways li hyphen c-o-n which uh was headquartered in Long Island, as in in Islip. Yes. And they commenced service at Tweed in November 1933, and they provided passenger and airmail service out of Tweed um, for about six months. For six months. And they were out in 1934. Right. And so it goes. Yes. And later you'd have uh, Eastern Airlines. Right. Was based there. And an American actually had a very long tenure yes at tweet yes they did and anyways before we conclude t- tell us about the the also car service the chamber is promoting all these all these different things yeah. and there's a new car service and available. this is something that's that was new 1957 today we're talking about uber i guess uber can deliver your food now here in new haven that's a big deal um and we do zip cars. There's more and more zip cars showing up around town. But here, this is when this was kind of brand new. A new service for New Haven. The Hotel Taft has become licensees for worldwide rent-a-car. 
offices to provide rent, car rental service on a 24-hour basis. No, that you you don't have that service today. That mean they're suggesting that if you want a car at four in the morning, you could they'll go get over, you a car. They will get you a car. Why? Well, nobody's going to do that for you today. Yeah, you got to wait till they open. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Gotta, yeah, new cars completely equipped with delivery and pickup service provided can be rented. Also, there is no further charge when the car is rented in one city and left at a worldwide office in another city, provided the rate and mileage charge is over $25. So I guess the innovation is the 24-hour availability. Yeah. Because because this prompted me to ask, when was the idea of car rental? uh, When did that come about? And when did it come about? So for another beer at Ordinary... um, (laughs) Well, we have talked about on this program uh, the advent of the automobile in New Haven, and we know automobiles were rolling through the streets of New Haven in 1906, 1910, and the yes. Auto Club was formed. So when, how long do you think after the you know, arrival of the automobile, uh, when did the car rental industry start? What year would you think? I would say 1916. Oh man, you get a beer because the U.S. car rental industry is believed to have begun in 1916. Ah. When and where? Well, a Nebraska man named Joe Saunders decided to lend out his Ford Model T to a local visiting businessman. And the savvy entrepreneur fixed a mileage meter to the left front wheel of the vehicle. Uh, and would charge renters a total of 10 cents a mile in order to cover the wear and tear on his beloved Ford. And it didn't take long for Saunders to realize he'd stumbled onto a lucrative business, and by 1925, he had had a company. And by 1923, uh, he met a man whose name was John Hertz, H-E-R-T-Z. Ring a bell? Yeah, it does indeed. So there you go. It does indeed. So yes, what you had here was that evolution of the idea where on a 24-hour basis you could get that and you could pick it up anywhere else in other places. Uh, again, at the forefront here, we were, move, we were moving forward, moving forward, heading towards the 1960s with vigor. Thank you, Jason, for uh, taking us back to the early days at the airport and the fabulous 24-hour rent-a-car availability at the Taft Hotel, where I don't think you can find that today, but maybe give it a thought as you... You can get an Uber, I bet. Okay. Join us tomorrow for another um, journey into uh, the past, courtesy of uh, the Chamber of Commerce, and tomorrow we'll be talking about 1958. See you then, Jason.